Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, it's so good to have you joining us today, whether you're watching online or joining us by way of television. We are honored and I want to say thanks for taking the time to be a part of what God is doing here at Calvary. Due to some technical challenges, I've got the privilege to speak directly to you today. And uh, so rather than being in a room full of people, you and I get to have a conversation. And I'm actually really excited about that because of what we're going to talk about in these next few moments. I believe that it is critically important in the series that we're in as well as in the life of our church in your life, and in the life of any Christian who wants to live in a way that's going to make a difference for the kingdom. We've been in a series of messages that we've been calling Building for Blessing, and during this series, we've been talking about the idea that oftentimes God will do work in our lives because through that work, he's building something in us. What we've considered is that God will often do the structural before he does the supernatural. That God will often do the structural before he does the supernatural. And we've considered this in a lot of different ways. That sometimes before you get to do the fun stuff, you have to have the fundamentals. That sometimes you may get through something boring before you get to the blessing. That there may be a structure that God has to build in your life before you experience his presence in a certain way. Or his leading, or his guidance, or his provision, or his blessing. There are things that he does in our lives through the structural, and we've looked at some of these things. We've talked about change. We've talked about conflict. We've talked about how he develops our character. We've talked about how important it is to have clarity about what we believe and how we're going to live, and that when we go through that structural work, then we're in a place where God can do the supernatural. Today's a little bit of a twist on that, because today what I want to consider is that sometimes God may do the structural by the experience of the supernatural. That sometimes it's through supernatural experience, the the things that we encounter, maybe even more specifically, who we encounter, that through those things, God is doing something powerful in our lives through a supernatural experience. We're going to see this as we we walk through the patterns that we've seen all through this series. Acts chapter 1 leads to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 6 paves the way for Acts chapter 8, and Acts chapter 15 paves the way for the whole rest of the book and what we see happen in the working of the Holy Spirit to do the supernatural in the life of the church in the first century. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 19 today. We're, we're going to watch a specific encounter that Paul has with some church leaders in a place called Ephesus, and I want you to watch the emphasis that he has with them. Acts chapter 19, beginning with verse 1, here's what we read. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. It's interesting that of all the things that Paul could have asked them, his question to them right out of the gate, did you receive the Holy Spirit? When you believed, did you you have an encounter with the Holy Spirit? Were you baptized in the Holy Spirit? Did you experience his presence and his power? Do you know who the Holy Spirit is? And they said, we, we didn't even know that there was a Holy Spirit. I, we don't know what you're talking about when you say that. My question for you is, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Have you encountered his presence? Do you know what it's like to live in the Spirit, to, to be filled in the Spirit? And some of you may say, well, no, I, I didn't. I, I know about the Holy Spirit 
but I don't really have a relationship with him. Or, or you might say, well, at one point, I really had this, this kind of closeness that I felt the Holy Spirit's presence, but I don't have that anymore. Some of you may say, well, I, I don't even know that there is a Holy Spirit. Or you might even say, I know about the Holy Spirit, but I live like I've never heard of him. And the point I want to make as we look at this today is that you need the Holy Spirit. In your life, how you live, you need the Holy Spirit. If you've ever put anything together, maybe a, a piece of furniture or, or uh, some kind of equipment that you get, and it comes with a manual, and it tells you, this is how you put this thing together. And usually, right near the very first page, there's a page there that says, these are the tools that you need, and they'll list a particular screwdriver, a particular Allen wrench. You, you might need some kind of specialty tool to be able to do this. Sometimes they'll, they'll give it to you in the packaging. Sometimes you just got to hope you have it, but there's this list that's there. Now, it may be that you just ignore that list. It may be that you study it, but at the end of the day, it's good for you to know, this is what I'm going to need if I'm going to be effective in putting this thing together. This is what Paul is doing for the church in Ephesus. When he talks to them, he knows the world that they live in. He knows what it's going to mean to be effective and successful as a follower of Jesus. And so he says to them right out of the gate, he just asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Because he is a tool that you need. If you look at this manual, God's word for how we live, this manual will tell us that the, the tool you need to be effective as a follower of Jesus Christ is to have a relationship a meaningful encounter with, to be filled with the Spirit of God. And so I want to talk to you about why this is so important and why your relationship with the Holy Spirit helps to build blessing in your life. We see it all throughout the book of Acts. It's very key in this passage in Acts 19. Paul is saying to this church, for what is about to happen for you, and we'll look at this here in just a moment, you need a relationship with the Holy Spirit so that you can build for blessing. Why? Here's three reasons why you need this. The first one is this. Number one, you need the Holy Spirit for the world in which you live. You need the Holy Spirit because of or for the world in which you live. Maybe when you were a kid, you went to summer camp, or maybe you're looking forward to in the next few weeks, you're going to go to summer camp. And with that, you probably received from the camp a list of things that you do not bring. Like, like, do not bring a radio. Do not bring, you know, certain things. And then it has a whole list of those things that you need. And it tells you a packing list, and many times specifically for that camp or the weather that you're in. It could also be that you're going to go snow skiing. And if you're going to go snow skiing, you, you might have a totally different list because you're going to a totally different world. If you're going to go to the beach, you need things that are different than if you're going to go out into the woods. I, I was just interacting with a friend of mine who is spending time in the desert, and he had a totally different list of things because of the world he's going into. I would ask you, the, the world that you live in, the, the place where you find yourself, what is it that you need? The environment in your home, the situation on your job, the, the, the things you face in school, the challenges you're experiencing in your own life of, of stress and, and anxiety and pressure right now. What do you need in your world what do you need in our world, a world that in so many ways is moving further and further away from God, a world that in so many ways is filled with convenience that actually leads to more pressure with all of those things in, in this world, what is it that you need? And I would propose that you need the Holy Spirit. Why talk about the Holy Spirit? Well, today, this Sunday, May 23rd, 2021, 
is what in the Christian calendar we refer to as Pentecost Sunday. Well, you know, we celebrate and we remember days like Good Friday and Easter. And Pentecost Sunday is the day that we read about in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit was poured out on the church, when the believers were baptized with the Holy Spirit. We, we read this. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 tells us that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And it was honestly that they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is the story of the first Pentecost, the day that the Pentecostal church was born, the day that the church was born, the day that the Spirit was poured out and the believers went out. And from there, what we read in the book of Acts is just this launching of God's people into the world to take the message of Jesus Christ. Now, Calvary, we consider ourselves to be a Pentecostal church, that we, we kind of trace our roots all the way back to Acts chapter 2. And that word Pentecostal is loaded because it means something different to a lot of people. It might be based on your theological views. It might be based on your personal experience. Let me tell you what I mean when I say what we mean here at Calvary when we use the word Pentecostal. When we say that we're Pentecostal, what we mean is that everything that we read that God did in the New Testament, everything that the Holy Spirit did in the Gospels and in the book of Acts, we believe that the Holy Spirit is still doing today in the lives of his people and in the life of his church. And so we're, we're thankful for the fact that the Holy Spirit is alive and well and working in our lives. And what Jesus said to them is, you're gonna need this Pentecostal power. You're gonna need the presence of the Holy Spirit. Why? Acts chapter one, verse eight. This is just shortly before Jesus is ascending. It's about 10 days before the day of Pentecost. And he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So he's saying here, I've called you to be a witness and the power you need for that is gonna come from the Holy Spirit. So whatever it is God's called you to do, his Holy Spirit has come to give you what you need in the world in which you live. Here's what I want you to see. You are a witness in this world. In the world in which you live, in the place where God has called you, you are a witness in this world. You are called to show who Jesus is. Now, I think this was key to why Paul said to those in Ephesus, have you, have you received the Holy Spirit? Because he knew that they would need the Spirit's empowerment to be a witness in the world that they lived in. Otherwise, that world was gonna eat them up. We have taken time to talk about the city of Ephesus before. It's a very significant place because it was one of the very leading cities in the Roman Empire in that time. It was the fourth largest city, but even beyond that, it was considered the first and greatest metropolis of Asia. It was a leading city in the most prosperous region of the Roman Empire. It was very strategic, not just in trade, not just in politics, but it was strategically important for the spreading of the gospel and if we take this one more step further, it's important for us also to understand that there was great spiritual activity in Ephesus. It was the home of the great temple of Artemis of the Ephesians. There was much spiritual activity. 
There was much um, false God worship. There was a whole lot of wrong thoughts about what happens in the spiritual realm. And there was a whole lot of dark activity happening at the same time. So it's important for you to realize that the world that they were living in in that day and time was hugely affected just by the fact that they were living in the city of Ephesus because of their prominence, because of their influence, because of the importance, because of the spiritual activity. And I, I would say that we live in a world that's strangely similar, that you are a witness in the world in which you live. And as a result of that, we have to keep in mind how we live our lives and that how we live shows who we are and who Jesus is to the world around us. See, I don't know exactly what your story is. I don't know exactly what you are living through, but I know that God has put you in a place so that through your life, others will be encouraged, others will be strengthened, others will be ministered to, so that Jesus can show through your life so that others can know him. And I'm convinced you can't do that without the Spirit's power in your life. The world needs not just you, the world needs a Spirit-filled you as a witness. It needs you as a witness but so much more, you spirit-filled, <laughs> you led by the spirit, you moved by him. Nothing less will do as a parent, as an employee, as an employer, in the interactions that you have in this world in which we live. The world doesn't just need you. <laughs> it needs a spirit-filled you as a witness for what God wants to do in your life because you are a witness in this world and let me take it one step further. You are a warrior in this world. You have been called in a world that is in so many ways opposed to what you might believe as a Christian. You are called to be a warrior. Now, I don't use that language to be dramatic. I use that language because it's the same language that, that Paul uses. He talks about the battle we find ourselves in when he writes to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, here's what he says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul says, look, there is a struggle. You, you are fighting a battle, and you need to know that you are a warrior in this world, and the weapons, the warrior, the, the, the battles you fight are not based against flesh and blood, but there are dark things that are happening in the world. There are powers that you can't see. So if you're gonna fight that kind of battle, how do you do it? Well, he takes us right back to the Holy Spirit again. Acts chapter six, verse seven, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter six, verse 17. He says, take the helmet of salvation. This is a part of when he talks about the full armor of God. And he lists all these tools that we have, the equipment that we have to be able to defend ourselves and he gives us a few also to move forward. So, you know, not on, on the defensive, but on the offensive. And he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. It's interesting here that when he talks about the weapons that we have to move forward, to advance, he talks about the sword of the spirit and he talks about praying in the spirit, the importance of being a warrior in this world and being filled with the spirit is this key thing. We fight spiritual battles through the power of the spirit. 
And it's so important for you to know that the battles that we face so many times aren't flesh and blood. They're not, they're not earthly. They're not just human. There are spiritual things at work, and we can't, affect to be spirit, we can't expect to be spiritually effective if we don't realize that we are fighting a spiritual battle. The other day, I had to go over to my mom's house and fix something for her, and uh, when I went over... I got over there and I realized I didn't have the tool I needed. I needed kind of a specialized tool to be able to do it, and I had left it at home, went out into her garage, started looking around. She didn't have it, and I'm like, well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of MacGyver. I can make this work. You know, I'm, I'm kind of a genius. I can figure it out without it. And so I spent a bunch of time trying to use the tools she had to fix the issue that was wrong, only to find out that the more I tried to fix it, the, the worse I made it. And I eventually had to go, I can't do it like this. I got to get the right tool. And I said, forget about it. I hopped in the car, I drove to the store, and I bought a new tool. I could have gone home and got mine, but the store was closer, and I actually wanted a new one anyway. So this gave me an excuse to, to go ahead and buy it. And when I got back to her house and I had the right tool, I whipped through that job. I was able to get it done a whole lot quicker with the right tool, then I was, it took me longer to break it the first time than it did for me to try to fix it with the right tool. My point is that if you're going to be up against a challenge, you have to have the right tool for it. And the battles you fight, they sometimes feel like you're fighting against other people or you're fighting against the culture or you're fighting against the situation. And Paul reminds us that the battles you fight are spiritual battles. And the only way you fight and win them it's through the power of the Spirit. We need the Spirit's power to be effective. The, the reason why some of us are frustrated, the reason why some of us do not feel victorious is because we're trying to fight a spiritual battle using our own earthly weapons. And what this passage reminds us is that what we really need, what, what God really has given to us is spiritual tools to be able to fight these spiritual battles. He's talked to us about the word. He's talked to us about prayer. Remember those two spiritual weapons. We'll come back to those in just a moment because you need the Holy Spirit, number one, for the world in which you live. Here's the second thing. You also need the Holy Spirit for the days that are ahead. Number two, you need the Holy Spirit for the days that are ahead. I think sometimes when we think about spiritual experiences, we think they're just momentary. That, that maybe if you grew up in a faith tradition like I did, you, you just need to have that one kind of dramatic supernatural experience with the Holy Spirit, and then you're good. Or, or maybe you start to think in your life, not just, not just in that way, but maybe you start to think that, that it's just something that you get on Sundays, right? I'll, I'll have an encounter with the Holy Spirit during worship on Sundays. I'll get a little quiver in my liver, and I'll be all good. When the reality is what I need to do is walk with the Holy Spirit every day to live in his presence, because knowing the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, is what prepares me for the days that are ahead. Because I, I, don't, I don't know what's out there yet. The reality is, Acts chapter 19, Paul's with the Ephesian elders, he's with the Ephesian leaders, and he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And there's no way they could have known what would happen to them, how significant they would become in the New Testament story. Paul didn't really know it. There's no way he could have. But he knew to ask them such an important question, not just because they lived in such an important place, but what you'll find out is Ephesus, that city, 
becomes incredibly significant, not just in the book of Acts, and, and Paul spends three years there almost. He spends more time there, almost twice the time there, that he spends in any other city. But if you unpack that even more, Paul leads a young pastor to go and pastor a church. He, he calls Timothy to the church in Ephesus. When the apostle John, who wrote the gospel of John and wrote the book of Revelation, when he set up his base years later, he did it, his headquarters, was when he was pastoring in Ephesus. And many believe that the gospel of John was written to the church in Ephesus. When we read the book of Revelation, there's a huge connection between the book of Revelation and the church in Ephesus. You can hardly read the New Testament without seeing the connection back to this city, this key location, the key place of Ephesus. But as we read in Acts 19, when Paul's standing there in front of those 12 men and he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit? There's no way they could have known what was about to unfold. But what was clear was you need the Holy Spirit for the days that are ahead. You might ask, why do I say that? Let me give you two scriptures straight from what Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, straight from what he said to them about why in the days ahead you need the Holy Spirit. Here's one. It comes from a prayer that he prays for them. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. He says, I keep asking that God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. One of the things that I believe you need for the days ahead is you need wisdom. You need wisdom for the days ahead, for the things that you're going to face, for the things that you're going to encounter. One of the key things that Jesus promised his disciples on, on his last kind of night on earth at the Last Supper as he's preaching kind of his last sermon to his followers, he says to them that the Holy Spirit will come and tell you what you need to know. He'll give you the insight that you need. And you need wisdom for the days ahead to know what God would have for you to do. That wisdom comes in different ways. Sometimes it comes through a, a sense of discernment where the Holy Spirit just stirs in your heart. And, and I'd encourage you, maybe on a regular basis, to seek to hear the voice of the Spirit. I don't know that you'll hear it in a physical sense, but I know what it's like to know in my spirit that this is the, the direction God wants me to go or this is the direction God does not want me to go, to have a sense of peace, or to have a stirring to move, or to have a time to wait. There is this practice that as we learn to know the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit, he leads us in certain ways. I'll give you one of the dramatic ones in my life. Back in 2010, we were in the process of, of buying the Conant Street property. We were still worshiping at, at Reynolds in Glendale. And the, the deal, the, the real estate deal, was something that God was leading. We could feel it moving forward. We felt very confident that this was what he wanted us to do. And then about halfway through, it kind of fell apart. And to make a long story short, there were these different forces that were coming into play. And in, in what felt like a real battle, to be honest, spiritual battle, the whole thing began to fall apart. And I can remember, I was so frustrated. I, I was mad at some people. I was disappointed in how things were going. I was seeing the challenge that was happening. I was trying to figure out what was going on, and I, I didn't know what to do. And I just felt led that I needed to get away for a few moments. So I hopped in my car, and I actually drove over here to the Conant Street property. It was vacant by that point. And, and I parked in the back, and I remember standing right outside the back entrance. And I began to pray, because I didn't know what to do. But I knew that I needed the, the insight, the wisdom of the Holy Spirit for that moment. 
And look, this hasn't happened often to me in my life. I don't know that it happened before and it doesn't happen that often. But what, what happened in my life in that moment was as I stood there and prayed, I felt like the Holy Spirit whispered to me, read Psalm 37. And it's one of those moments where you go, oh, now, now I'm starting to think things or hear voices or that's just me. You have those moments, but it was, it was strong. Read Psalm 37. So remember, I pulled out my phone and I read Psalm 37. And when I got to verse seven, it says, and remember, we're in the middle of a, a fight. It says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. And all of a sudden, I realized that the Holy Spirit, through his direction, through his presence, through God's word, was bringing me wisdom. And it was wisdom in that moment to go, do not fret, do not fear, stand your ground. And to be honest, for the course of about the next three months, as there was all kinds of twists and turns. And I had to realize that what we were fighting was not a physical battle, we were fighting a spiritual battle. That when people were saying things that weren't true, when things were happening in certain ways, it wasn't for me to put my dukes up, it was for me instead to pray and say, Holy Spirit, would you help me to wait patiently for you? I was so thankful for that wisdom. The Holy Spirit will enlighten God's word to give you wisdom. The Holy Spirit will stir in your heart so that you can develop discernment to have that wisdom. And then it's, it's when you step out into the challenges that you face, when you step out into the things that you're experiencing, that you not only have wisdom for the days that are ahead, but watch this, Psalm, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22. It tells us this, and in him, in God, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You not only have wisdom from him, it's not like he just sends you an email and says good luck. <laughs> you have wisdom for the days ahead, but you also need God's presence for the days ahead. Because when you step out into what he's calling you to, you can at sometimes feel alone. You can be afraid. When you have those challenges as a parent, when you step into new seasons of responsibility, when your job opens up great opportunity, <laughs> or when it seems like it's draining the life right out of you, in your school, in your home, in your family, in your finances, in all those places, you not only need wisdom, but you need someone to come alongside of you and walk through that with you. And that is what Jesus said his spirit would do. In the Gospel of John, he says, I'm going to send you the comforter, the counselor, the advocate. The, the, the Greek word is parakletos. The one who comes alongside he says, the spirit is another just like me and the Holy Spirit's presence will be with you. The Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus right there with you. Yet you all probably know that moment in life when you feel like you're alone and then someone takes your hand or puts a hand on your shoulder or sends you a message, or gives you a call and all of a sudden you realize, I'm not alone the Holy Spirit is there and brings his presence for the days ahead, for the things that you'll face. And this is so key and so significant. It's important for us to grasp, and it's important to see that Paul somehow knew this. And he says to the church in Ephesus, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Because right here on the first page of this manual, 
That's exactly what you're going to need for the days that are ahead. I want that for you, for the life that you're living. Too many of us have too long tried to do it too much by ourselves. In the world in which you live and in the days that you have ahead, you need the Holy Spirit. And let me take you to a third thing as well. Number three on this list of things we're talking about, why you need the Holy Spirit. The third thing is this. You need the Holy Spirit for the life to which you are called. Not just for the days ahead, not just because of where you are, but because of who you are, because of what God has called you to, you need the Holy Spirit. Quickly, let me show you a a couple of things that Paul says to the church in Ephesus about the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He, He references the Holy Spirit over and over again in the letter he writes to them. Watch this, Ephesians 3, verse 16. Paul tells us, he says, again, a prayer. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power, through his spirit in your inner being. Look, if you are weary, if you are tired, if you need something from him and you receive strength from God, it comes through his Holy Spirit. It's his spirit at work in your inner being. He brings us power. He brings us strength. So wherever it is that you are right now, if you're frustrated, if you are struggling, if you are just weary, if you feel like life's getting the best of you, in this place, know that you can seek the Holy Spirit And there's strength that he can bring. I I may be kind of dating myself by mentioning this, but when I was a kid, I I grew up watching Popeye cartoons. Some of you may remember Popeye the Sailor Man, and he had a girlfriend named Olive Oil. The bad guy was was Bluto, if you remember. How many times did, did Popeye find himself in a spot where poor Olive Oil was in the grasp of Bluto, and there was something that Popeye needed to do? He wouldn't have the strength in and of himself And then would come the anointed can of spinach. Do you remember what I'm talking about? And he'd squeeze that thing, and the spinach would pop out and pop in his mouth, and all of a sudden, the music would start, and the muscles would come out, and he'd he'd go, and he'd, whatever was wrong, he would fix it, because somehow he found this, can we call it supernatural strength? Look, I'm not a huge fan of spinach, but I really believe in power through God's spirit in your inner being. I don't want to trivialize it. I don't want to turn the Holy Spirit into a cartoon character. But I do think it's a good example to say oftentimes the reason when we're in tough situations that we don't find strength to move through that situation is because we failed to remember that the Spirit of God has that strength and wants to give it to us. There's power that comes in our lives if, if we will just seek for him. This is why Jesus said in Acts 1.8, we were already there, right, that that he will give us his spirit and that you will receive power to do what God has called you to do. So if today, if you need strength, but before you turn off this message, would you say, Holy Spirit, would you give me strength? Holy Spirit, would you help me? And what Paul shows us, which I think is really interesting, that receiving that strength is a two-way street. It's not just knowing that he can bring it, (laughs) but it's living in a way that you can receive it. Because if you're not careful, you you can stop that strength. Let me show you a collection of verses of what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter four as we look at this. Because you are called to strength, right? The calling that he has for your life, you're called to strength. But look at what he says in Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, verse 29. 
He says, do not let it, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. He says, so, okay, watch your words. Very next verse, he says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> those two thoughts are really close together, connected with an and. He says, so watch your words because your words can grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And it's almost like Paul says, yeah, and while I'm saying this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. And then he goes one more step, and he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. He kind of gets on a run here, and he says, look, watch your words, because your words can grieve the Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah, and while you're at it, watch your attitudes, like bitterness, anger, rage, and look, be kind and compassionate, and forgive other people, because your forgiveness models what Christ did for you, because when you, when you get off the rails on any of those things, you grieve the Spirit of God. And when you grieve the Spirit of God, you hurt that relationship, and when you hurt that relationship, in many ways, you kind of tie your hands from the strength that the Spirit can bring. Look, your words can be a trap, and your attitudes can enslave you. And when you choose not to forgive, it imprisons us. See, you weren't just called to strength, you're called to freedom. You're to live a life of freedom. A life that, that, that spiritually is alive and agile and free. But when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we put ourselves in many ways in situations where we lose that freedom because we become trapped to our words and our attitudes and our unforgiveness. Look, what work does the Spirit have to do with this freedom? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it's very clear. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. You're called to this freedom, so here's my challenge to you. My, my challenge is, if when I talk about your words or your attitudes or maybe even resentment or bitterness that has grown to a place of unforgiveness in your life, maybe today's a day to say, Holy Spirit, would you help me? Holy Spirit, would you not just strengthen me, but would you show me where in my life I grieve you would you show me where in my life my, my words need to change? That my heart may be blinded by anger or rage. That I've been holding on to things against other people, other churches, other groups, maybe even God. That I need to let go of those things so that I can live in freedom. And let me show you one other just quick thought about the Holy Spirit at work in your life because we've talked about all of this, right? We've talked about how he will give you what you need for the world in which you live. And the Holy Spirit can help you. He'll prepare you with, with wisdom and with his presence for the days ahead. And we know that he will help us in what we've been called to do. So if you've been called in your parenting, he'll give you strength. And if you've been called in your workplace, he'll give you strength. And if you need it for whatever challenge, for whatever uncertainty, whatever fear you have, for whatever disappointment you're facing, if he can bring strength and if he can bring freedom, then I want you to be filled with the Spirit. The problem is we live in a world that offers us being filled with so much else. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, this is what Paul had to say 2,000 years ago. He said, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. 
Now, this isn't a message about drinking, but it is a message about what you're filled with. Because Paul needed to say to his audience in that moment, do not get drunk on wine. Do not get filled with too much wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. But the question that you might need to ask is what, what would you fill in these blanks with? Do not get filled with too much blank. Because it might not be wine in your situation. It might, do not get filled too much with what's on your screen. Or do not get filled too much with what's on Netflix. Or do not get filled too much with unhealthy relationships. Do not get filled too much with the substance that's not good for you. Do not get filled too much with whatever you and I might choose to self-medicate with. Because reality is we live in a world that is so draining that oftentimes we find ourselves in a place where we try filling ourselves back up. And look, I'm not saying that all those things are bad. Whatever you fill in the blank here with, it might not be a bad thing. But if that's what you're looking to, to fill your life, then you're looking to the wrong thing. See, he says, if, if you're trying to fill yourself, if you're trying to self-medicate yourself, I mean, just think about it for a moment. In those moments, is it the food that you eat? Is it the things that you drink? Is it the drugs that you take? Is it the distraction you find from somewhere where you say, I don't want to deal with this because I'm going to do this, and you try to fill yourself with something, and you neglect the fact that first what you need to do is say, Holy Spirit, would you help me? It's not that you have to throw out your TV. It's just don't make that your, your first step. Start by saying, Holy Spirit, will you fill me? Holy Spirit, will you strengthen me? Holy Spirit, will you give me wisdom and your presence? Will you give me freedom? Will you bring me peace? Holy Spirit, will you work in my life? You are called to fullness, to know his presence in your life. And the reason I stress this is because without it, Eventually, your, your world starts to fall apart. You ever been in a parking lot that's crumbling? You know, we've, we've used a lot of analogies in this series of construction. So I think all of us at some point have, have been in parking lots that have issues where there's sinkholes maybe, things that are falling apart, or there's cracks that get out of control. And if you research this and try to find out a little bit, there's all kinds of reasons, especially in Northwest Ohio, where we've got freeze and thaw and freeze and thaw. And one of the major issues is you may have an issue with your concrete or asphalt parking lot because it wasn't constructed right in the first place. That you've got that coat of you know, the concrete or the, the, the asphalt on top, but over that, under that, there should be a base. There should not just be what's on the surface, but something that fills it underneath. And if it's not filled right, if the material that's there isn't compacted correctly, if it's not made in such a way so that um, what happens with, with runoff, what happens with the drainage system can go well, if you have an inadequate thing that fills it, then what is on the surface will crack and deteriorate and fall apart. And some of you are looking at the surface of your life and you're seeing the big cracks, and you're seeing the big challenges, and you're seeing the sinkholes, and you're seeing the places where it seems to be falling apart. And it's not so much that you have to do a cosmetic job on the surface. It may be that you have to come to terms with what's happening underneath 
with what's filling you. And instead of trying to fill it with who knows what else, you need to fill it with the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, will you fill me? Acts chapter 19, Paul says to the Christians in Ephesus, do you receive the Holy Spirit? They said, we, we didn't even hear that there is a Holy Spirit. And then after a dialogue and discussion, we get to Acts chapter 19, verse 6. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And from that point on, Ephesus is never the same in the New Testament church. It started when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So in just a moment, Pastor Bennell and the team are going to come and they're going to, they're going to lead us in a, in a moment of worship. And I hope that that'll be a time that whatever maybe resonated with you in these last few moments, uh, uh, the, the world in which you live or the days that are ahead or the calling on your life, that wherever it is that you need the Holy Spirit's work and presence, that you'll take a moment. Maybe you need to start here and even just today, make things right between you and God. Maybe as you're watching this, you realize what you need in your life is a relationship and a connection with Jesus Christ. What you need from him is his forgiveness and his grace. No better time than right now than to start that. And this may be a moment where you also just need to say, Holy Spirit, I'm dry and I'm depleted and I'm worn out and I need your strength. Or you may be looking at the surface of your life and seeing the cracks and the disintegration and saying, Holy Spirit, would you fill me? No better time than right now to say, come Holy Spirit do a work in my life. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice. And that you said that you would send to us your Holy Spirit. So Spirit of God, would you fill us? So Spirit of God, would you come and meet us? Would you give us everything we need for the world in which we live to be your witness, to be warriors for you? Holy Spirit, would you give us the, the wisdom and your presence for the days that are ahead and in the places and the roles that you've called us to with your strength and your freedom and your fullness. Would you let us know what it means to live a life filled with you, Holy Spirit. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.
Father, as we step away from the service, Holy Spirit, may we not step away from your presence. But may we be reminded that you've called us to be a witness and a warrior. That the work you're doing today is preparing us for the days ahead and to fulfill the calling that you've called us to. So Holy Spirit, would you strengthen us? Would you empower us? Would you come alongside of us? Holy Spirit, may we know your wisdom and your strength. May we know your leading and your presence. Would you guide us and lead us each step of the way as we look to and we trust in you? Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence at work in our lives. May we not only know you, but may we live in your power so that our life and the lives of others around us could be changed. We ask, we ask this, that you, that you do, do this, this in our lives with your special favor and with, with your wonderful, wonderful peace in, in Jesus' name. name. Amen. Amen. Amen.